Thank you, Kayla. Good morning again. Good morning to you who are joining us online. I'm glad that you're all here. Hey, I want to thank everybody that was um, part of the coat drive that we did, coat drive and um, fall festival last week. Thank you all for, for being a part of that. We, uh, we raised $1,332 so far, so thank you. And a lot of coats, you see them out there in the foyer. We didn't just forget them. We thought we would leave them out there so you could all see uh, what we've done. And you can still give. Uh, if you'd like to give, you can continue to give uh, today. If you want, just write a check, put it, coat drive on there, and, and drop it in the offering as it goes by. So last week... We started something new. We started talking about the paranormal, which uh, I think most people find is intriguing. Tomorrow's Halloween, so this is a good day to be kind of talking about this stuff. Um, the supernatural. What is the supernatural? Supernatural is any phenomenon, anything that is beyond the natural this world, the material experience. Um, paranormal as, as a word that, that's very popular for this. It is beyond our normal experience, beyond the physical and material experience. Now that paranormal can be divided into two groups. Really easy groups. What do you think group one is? Good. Good. What do you think group two is? This is simple, right? Good, bad. All right, good. That, that, we're on the same page. There is a spiritual world. Some of it is good. Some of it is bad. Last week, we looked at angels. They are the good part, the light part of the spiritual world. The nice thing about that is, is that they are on our side. And if you want to go back to last week's message, you go to our Facebook page, go to our website, and um, you can see it there. Today... We're going to talk about the dark side. I don't know what it is about the dark side. I think most people find that fascinating. I mean, if, if, if I were to put out, if we hadn't have done last week and I were to put out a survey and say, today we can talk about the light side, angels, or we can talk about the dark side, I'd pretty much guarantee I'd get more people voting, let's talk about the dark side. There's something about it which is, it, it piques our interest. That's why Halloween is so popular. That's why horror movies are such big sellers. It's mysterious. And, and it, it's kind of weird because it's kind of scary and fascinating all at the same time, right? We don't want to know what's under the bed, but we want to look. <laughs> I don't know what's under there, but I, that, there's something in us that wants to peek and see. Now, let me tell you why we're talking about this as a church. We live in this material world. We live in the physical world. But there is a very real and present spiritual world. It's beyond this dimension, but it interacts with this dimension. It interacts and it impacts our lives for good and for bad. And it's important for us to be aware of it and to understand how we respond to it. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
Now, if that doesn't intrigue you, not much is going to intrigue you. Like, what does that all mean? So we need to be aware of this unseen world, but we need to know how to respond to this unseen world. And that's where I want to kind of finish up. So here are some of the questions that, that I hear here as a pastor. Is demon possession real? Is that just a thing of the past? Does it still happen? Is demon possession real? If so, can Christians be demon-possessed? It's a good question, right? Can demons, Satan, read our minds? Does he know what we're thinking? Are ghosts real? Where do they fit in the picture? Can psychics and mediums really contact the dead or know the future? Or are they able to connect with spirits? And then when I tacked on, and I really wish I hadn't, (laughs) what are the Nephilim? Now, what surprised me about that last question, that was one that intrigued me when I first got into the Bible. And and people have asked me about that over the years. And oddly enough, when I asked a couple of people, they didn't know what Nephilim was, never had heard of them. So um, you're not going to hear much of them today either, (laughs) but we will get there. So those are the kinds of questions that I get asked. So we're going to go through all of those questions this morning, all right? Now, because we are limited with time, I can't get into a super deep conversation on these things. So here's what I'm doing. I am offering to you your permission to call me, ask me, email me. If you have questions at the other end of this, Pastor Mike, you said this, but what does the Bible say that? Call me and we can talk about it in in greater depth. Good deal? Or we can stay here for the full four hours. (laughs) Hands up, who's for the four hours? We got two, three, four, five. Hands up for the email. Okay, the four hours is is winning. (laughs) You can't vote for both. (laughs) Three and a half right now, yeah. We haven't started. Now, let me give you a a disclaimer right at the get-go. Some of these questions have pretty clear, distinct answers, and I'm going to answer all of them from the Bible. Some of them do not. Some of them, when you leave here, you won't be clear on it because the Bible isn't clear on it. So I'm going to share with you the biblical principles. I'm going to share with you what the Scripture says. What you do with it is up to you. I don't have all of the answers. I know you think I do, but I don't. They're open to interpretation. So let's get started with the first one. Is demon possession real? Yes. Question number two. No. (laughs) Jesus talked many times about demon possession. He gave his disciples, the 12, authority to drive out demons. In Mark chapter 3, it says, Then he appointed 12, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. So their job was to preach, to tell people about the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And to have power to heal sickness. So they were to heal people. And to cast out demons. Some people try to normalize things that they can't understand. So I've, I've, I've had conversations with people. Well, you know all that stuff about demon possession back in the day? They probably weren't possessed by a demon. They probably had some kind of a sickness. You know, they, they just didn't know about that kind of thing in those days, and they thought that it was demon possession. 
And you know what? That, that's a natural thing for us to do. When we get faced sometimes with things that we can't get our head around, we try to find an answer that is simple that we can understand. But demon possession is real. The scriptures clearly teach that demon possession and sickness are two separate issues. In Matthew chapter 4, it makes it really clear. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed, or epileptic, or paralyzed, he healed them all. So this scripture kind of goes into a little bit more detail. No, they weren't just having a seizure. They were possessed by a demon. Demon possession is a reality. Now, I don't believe I've ever witnessed it. I may have without knowing it, but I don't believe I have ever witnessed it. And I don't think I probably ever will. And, and here's why. Now, this is my opinion. In our modern world, quite honestly, I believe that Satan is far too sophisticated to use such a thing as demon possession. Here's why. Anybody ever see The Exorcist? Nobody wants to admit it. If you saw a little girl and her head went 360 degrees, what's the first thing you're going to do? Runs good. <laughs> you're going to know right away there's something beyond this, right? There's something bigger than just this world. There's a spiritual aspect to it. So that would drive people toward God. Satan's goal is to drive people away from God. In our modern age, he wants to fool people into believing there is no God. So I don't believe he's going to use things like this. I believe it still happens in the third world. Quite a lot of things that I've read about that. Uh, people I know that have been missionaries have told me about things that they've witnessed. It's a different world there. The, the idea of spirituality is a common thing amongst the people. In our world, atheism is the main religion these days. Satan likes that. That's his idea. He's not going to do anything to pull people away from that. So he's not going to play those kind of games that would push people towards spirituality. He wants to take you away from spirituality. We need to be more concerned with op oppression than we do... What's this word I'm looking for? Possession. Thank you. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? I need to know that word. Which brings us to question, question number two. Can Christians be demon-possessed? No, they cannot. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot be demon-possessed. Now, there's no scripture that explicitly says Christians cannot be demon-possessed, just as there's no scripture that says this is the Trinity. But when you look at scriptural teaching, it becomes obvious that Christians cannot be demon-possessed. 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children, he's talking to the followers of Christ, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is the one who is in you? It is the Holy Spirit of God. 
When you made a decision to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the first thing that God did is he gave you his Holy Spirit. It came in you to live in you, to guide you, to direct you. And part of it protects you. You have that Holy Spirit. The one who is in the world is Satan and his demons. Greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have overcome the one who is in the world. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have access to talk to you and to persuade you and to tempt you and to bring things into your life that can steer you in a wrong direction, but it can only be external and not internal. You never get to say, the devil made me do it, because he can't. (laughs) We do it of our own free choice. He can provide everything we need to go down the wrong path, but it's not an inside job, except when it comes to our thinking. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say resist the devil and cast him out says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are subject to all of the external influences of this world and the spiritual world. But they're external, not internal. They can influence what we read. They can influence what we watch. This is why you've got to guard your heart. This is why you've got to guide, guard your mind. Because Satan's going to throw everything at you. And it, and it seems innocent at first. And I know I'm a little bit of an extremist on this. Harry Potter. Never read any Harry Potter. Never will. Seems like a fun series of books, right? I know they're well written. My wife said, they're so well written. All I know is that it it starts off kind of nice and gets darker. Which is the way Satan does it. I'll just lead you all on in. I started watching a TV show. What's it called? Better Call Saul. About the lawyer. I never watched the previous, the thing that went before it. I can't what Breaking Bad. I heard that that was dark. But I, I saw a clip of this Better Call Saul. I thought, that looks interesting. I really enjoyed the show. I got into it. And you know how you do it these days. You binge. And uh, episode or series six was still on TV. So I couldn't binge watch it. But it, it started off okay. And then got darker and darker, and darker, and darker. By the time I got to the end of series five, I thought, I'm not going to bother with six. Maybe I shouldn't have bothered with one. Satan's good at that. Sucking us in, drawing us in. Question three. Can demons, Satan, read our minds? This is kind of scary. The answer is real simple, no. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that Satan is omniscient. That means that he is all-knowing. Only God is all-knowing. Only God knows the heart of man. Only God knows the beginning from the end. Even when Jesus was a man here on earth and his disciples asked him, you know, what's going to happen in the end days, Jesus? You know, who gets to sit on your left? Who gets to sit on your right? He said, I don't know. Only my father knows that. Nobody else knows it. 
Satan cannot read your mind. 1 Kings 8, 39b says, For you alone, God, know each human heart. However, as I just said, Satan is smart. He's powerful. Smarter than you or me. And he has a legion of demons that are under his control. They're watching. They're listening. They know your weakness. They've observed you. They know what gets you. He can't get in here. Sorry, he can't get in here, but he can get in your head. He can't hear what you're thinking. But it's just like my wife. My wife knows me. She knows what I'm going to do before I know what I'm going to do sometimes. She knows how I'm going to think, how I'm going to respond to situations. Sadly, it's exactly the same for Satan and his demons because they've been watching us since day one. He has a plan for us just as God has a plan for us. His plan is dark. God's plan is good. He can't read our mind, but he knows our weaknesses. He knows our nature. He knows our behavior. He knows what will cause us to stumble. And he's going to put those things in front of us and see if we take the bait. And when we take the bait, he's going to provide more of that. Well, I tried this. It didn't work. So I tried that. He was a little bit there, but I tried it. Well, you love that. Let's go with that one. Let's weigh him down with this stuff. Now, here's the neat thing, though. Even his power is limited over that. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, you're not special. We all get tempted. And God is faithful. This is such an important verse. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So if Satan's up there concocting something against you that is way beyond anything you can stand, God is going to say, nope, not having that. We get to live in this fallen world, but we don't get to live outside of the control of the Lord. We get to live this for a while until he's ready to change it all. And Satan's, you know, he is the king of the air. And he's going to do things. But when he tries to do things that are over the top, Satan, God goes to Satan and says, no, you're not doing that. I'm not going to let you do that to him. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Satan's power has limits. And reading our mind is beyond his limits. Next one. Are ghosts real? Hmm. That gets more interesting. And a little tricky. It all depends on what you mean by the term ghost. What is a ghost? Twice during Jesus' ministry, this word comes up. When Jesus walked on the water, I don't know if you remember the scripture, they had just fed the 5,000, they get down, the disciples go off in the boat, Jesus stays behind to disperse the crowd, and they're sailing across the lake, and, and Jesus decides to walk on out and catch up. And it looks at them, and in Matthew 14, 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. What were they talking about? The Greek word translated as ghost here is the word phantasma, where we get the word phantom from. And it simply means a spirit or an apparition. 
It never meant the disembodied spirit of a human being. It was some form of spirit. They thought there's something creepy out there. It's coming for us. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, it's me. (laughs) The second time is when he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. He meets with two guys. They're walking on the road to Amas. And then he disappears. And then they get together with the rest of the disciples. And they tell them, we just met this guy. And it was Jesus. And it was all so excited. And all of a sudden, he appears in the room. Now, that would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? The door was locked. How did he get in? Now, if he was a ghost, maybe he could walk through the door, right? Walk through the wall. Slip down the chimney like Santa Claus. Luke 24 says, And just as they were telling about it, telling them that they had met the guy on the road, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Yeah, right. (laughs) Peace be with you. (laughs) But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. It's the exact same word, phantasma. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see I do. The same Greek word, phantasma. But Jesus was making a point here to his disciples. I am not a disembodied spirit separate from my body. I'm still me. I'm still flesh and bone. I was dead, but now I'm alive, but I'm not a spirit. I'm me. Touch me. Feel me. Let's have a meal together. I'm living. He was making a point. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that the earth is filled with the disembodied spirits of dead humans wandering around. Quite the opposite. There's a wonderful, clear passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for we know when this earthly tent, our bodies, it's talking about, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. When this one's gone, God's got another one, a body, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. Anybody weary in their present body? Looking forward to a new one. (laughs) And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. That's nice and clear, isn't it? I love it when the scripture is clear like this. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Now, this is a little bit why we're fascinated with the spiritual side of things. We are physical 
entities with a spiritual dimension. As soon as you ask Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, like I said earlier on, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. The body desires the things of this earth. It craves for the things of this earth. That's where sin comes in because we tend to not be able to to keep things in check. We like to kind of overdo everything. We look to meet our needs in ways that, that don't honor God, but they're physical things. It's part of our flesh. But inside of this flesh, inside of each believer, is the Holy Spirit that longs for the things of God. It craves God. It craves the spirituality. So we're kind of mixed up. It's like, oh, I want God and ice cream. Not that ice cream is a sin. But at some point it is. (laughs) It's the struggle between good and bad. The physical part of us craves for the desires of the flesh. The spiritual part of us longs for the things of of God. So God has given his Holy Spirit as a deposit. It tells each believer there is something better. You're going to have a brand new body that fits this spirit better. It will line up. It will be in sync with your spiritual desires rather than your worldly desires. That scripture carries on. It says, so we are always confident Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. There's another passage or another way of putting that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no in-betweeny. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we will be at home with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be at home and present with the Lord. There's no netherworld where the disembodied spirits of people are hanging around, waiting for something to happen. Go to the light. So what happens when we die? That's a good question, and I'm glad that you've asked it. We go either to be with God, to be with the Lord in eternity, in paradise, or we go to be separated from God in the place of judgment that we refer to as hell. To be separated from God means to be separated from light, to be separated from hope, to be separated from love. That's hell. So the question then becomes, and I'm glad you're asking these questions, What about Revelation? We have a group study in Revelation right now. What about end times? What about all that stuff about Christ taking everybody up? Where where does that fit this picture? If, If I'm absent from the body, I'm present with God. Where does that all fit? Hmm. This is the hmm. So we talked about this a little bit last week. We are here, stuck, In this three-dimensional world, we have a past, we have a moment, and we have a future. And we can't get out of past, present, and future. We know that God and the spirits live in eternity. 
But even though we say it and we think we can understand it, we cannot understand it because even when we think about eternity, we think about it from a linear perspective because that's the dimension that we're stuck with. We can't get our heads around always. That every single point in time is always. It's hard, isn't it? Kind of makes you... So when we read these things in revolution, revelation, about the end times, about being asleep and that Jesus will wake us up. Where does that fit? It's all absolutely true. It's all absolutely accurate. But when we pass from this body into eternity, how that all fits together, our little brains can't get that. Those things happen. How they happen, you're going to have to ask the big guy. But the scripture clearly teaches there's no in-betweeny. There's no netherworld with spirits walking around wondering what to do, wandering the earth. It doesn't happen. God is, is not bound by time as we are. And when we are present with him, we are not bound by time. So none of that stuff will matter. It can be reconciled without us having to fully understand how it gets reconciled. When I die, I step out of this 3D thing, and I'm immediately with Jesus. And I can probably stand up there with him and still think in linear, look back and see it all happen. Oh, there's revelation. Wow, that's pretty cool. And I'll be thinking, was that last week? And he said, no, that's forever. All right, moving on. So what about those people on TV and in the books who claim to be able to talk to your dead relatives, be able to to read the future, to be able to connect with spirits? Can psychics and mediums really contact the dead or know the future? Hmm. Help me with this one. My son-in-law, Chris, is going to come up. And I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. Yeah, you can just uh, hang out there. Hey, everyone, how you doing? This is Chris. Say hello, Chris. Hi, people. Uh, well, a lot of you have seen me come up here before, and you've seen me do various different things, I guess, on stage. Basically, you know, I like to play with people's minds and take advantage of the way they think a little bit. Uh, and I like to do some entertaining on the side. Now, I don't claim to have any kind of paranormal or psychic or special abilities. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not a psychic or a medium. But I have learned to use my regular abilities like everyone else have in a, a few different ways. And, and when Mike and I were talking about this last week, we realized it ended up being kind of relevant. We wanted to show you some of the things that people get really invested in when they do go and and look for answers in other places. Um, I'll I'll just start out with kind of a warm-up. John and I were talking beforehand. John, can you stand up real fast? I asked John to think about someone who's in his life, and uh, you you put their name in an envelope, right? You have the envelope with you? Okay, and just to be clear for everyone else, you didn't show me the name. You haven't told anyone else who it is that's in there, right? So only you know that, right? Okay. Just keep it close, keep it with you. I want you to think about the person 
uh, who you were thinking of earlier. It's not a family member. No? Okay. Um, but some, someone you generally trust, right? You used to see them more often than you see them now. Okay. I want you to imagine that they're in front of you and that you're about to say hi. So just do this in your head. Don't do this out loud. Just think, hello, whatever their name is. So just think that now, okay? Breakable chalk. Don't show them yet. Just hold on to that real fast. Can you, if uh, this is real, we're exercising you. <laughs> can you bring me the envelope real quick? I don't know if I got it right here. We have not rehearsed this at all. Okay, uh, he wrote Scott. Spontaneous applause is appropriate. <laughs> That's just a bit of fun. Um, the next thing I wanted to show you is something you might actually see if you were to go out to, I didn't know these existed until I started doing this stuff. There are actually psychic churches out there where, like, people come and they have a, a leader and all that. Um, and they'll sometimes do something called psychometry. Uh, without getting too deep into it, the idea is that you can hold an object that belongs to someone and pick up on that object's owner. And uh, this is why, you know, if you've ever seen, like, those TV shows, like, where they have someone come in and do a cold case, the, the, the person will always be... I need one of their personal items, you know, and they'll, they'll hold it and they get all these flashes and all that. Well, again, I don't believe that there's any kind of supernatural power that can tell you anything just from holding an item. But it is kind of fun how much an item can tell you about a person. So there were people that I reached out to just before this started. They uh, each got an envelope. They put something in here. I haven't seen what they are. I'll let you hold that. Can I get those five people to come up here real quick? got Flip, Kayla, Mo, Paul, Martha. Y'all looking so happy that you said yes to me now. And can I get uh, just a, a couple of you to come on this side as it's well? It's odd they all went to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, you, you can just stand over here next to uh, Kayla. <laughs> I didn't let him marry my Flip, daughter. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> and just Paul right over here next to, to Martha if you could. Uh, so, Mike, just kind of mix them up a little bit and hand me one of the envelopes. Well, there you go. Oh, got a set of keys here. And I think these are assigned keys, city keys, something like that. I get the... Uh, the feeling that this person has has definitely been on a, a bit of a journey, but they're they're finally getting to a point where they're realizing who they are. Uh, I think the last, if, if you were to go back ten years ago, their younger self would probably be pretty surprised at where they're at right now in life. But that's that's actually a good thing. There's been a lot of personal growth, and I think this person is at a point where they're they're at a crossroads. They're making some decisions, um, and if, if they if they if they just trust themselves, I think they'll be making the right decisions and continuing to grow. If I'm not wrong, Flip, these are yours? Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
little, little clip or bit of jewelry, something like that on there. Um, I think this is the kind of person who really does like to give and like to help others. And, and they genuinely do do it without expecting anything back in return or really even wanting anything back in return. And I, I think that despite everything they've done, they're probably not fully aware of just how much other people value them in their lives. Um, Martha, is this yours? Keep them trucking. Oh. Okay, got a, got a pin. This is going to be a very kind of logical person, I think. Um, this person... This person seems to always kind of be on the go. If they, if they happen to have a free moment, they somehow find ways to fill that time. And while it might seem exhausting to other people, uh, I don't think they'd really like to have it any other way. In fact, if they had too much downtime, I'm not sure they'd know what to do with themselves. Paul? The light side. <laughs> Jingly. You're going to have fun with your podium after this. Yeah, I see that. Is that a flashlight? Yeah. This is someone who really loves to learn. Um, they're always trying to find out how things work. In fact, I kind of, I could see them back younger in school and just asking all the questions and the teacher finally getting frustrated and asking them to, uh, to stop. I think they had an interesting response at the time, too. Um, this, is, uh, this is someone who's going to continue to learn and really continue to keep growing. And in fact, I think they're never going to really grow old because of that. Uh, I think they're just going to keep growing. Well, we all know who this is. <laughs> I don't know who this is right now. Hmm. The longer thing. So, interesting pencil, Kayla. Um, yeah, when I look at this, I get the feeling of a person who's been going down uh, a long highway. And it's kind of, kind of predictable. They know where they're going, but they've, they're taking an exit, or they've recently taken an exit to a, a newer area where there's a lot of interesting stops. Um, now, not all of them are going to pay off, but I think that there is one that has a very lucrative opportunity. Now is a really good time to be moving forward with any new projects or plans that you've had in mind. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, everyone, for coming up. Now, again, we're going to reiterate here, there's nothing weird Magic. going on right now. But what I just did has genuinely been done and genuinely led people astray. Um, and think about some of the things that I was saying. These are things you want to hear, right? These are great things. You're not going to grow old, Mo, Mo right? Uh, who, and, and, and this is where the, the danger kind of comes in is people are going to be going after and looking for the things that they want to hear. Now, Mike was saying earlier, can a demon possess a Christian? No, right? Can Satan read your mind? No, as a Christian. But what he can do is get you distracted. And I've seen time and time again people going to people with the wrong answers and they start going further and further this direction, moving further and further away from the Bible um, to the point where their beliefs are all over the place. And then just because this is 
something that I have to keep up with uh, pretty closely, I've found there's a newer trend, and it's a sneaky one. Um, it's becoming more and more common because of people performing like me, that there's nothing really spiritual or psychic going on. People are generally realizing that there's something happening, right? It's theater. It's not magic. And so then people start to get dismissive of these things. And they start to say, ah, there's nothing to it whatsoever. Um, and there's a phrase that I love. Um, I can't remember who said this, but it's the greatest trick that Satan ever did was convince people he doesn't exist. Yeah. And so I, I would just say when you go out there, always be careful. Keep the word in mind. And if, if you're hearing everything you want to hear, it's probably not coming from God. Uh, if you're just hearing the things you want to hear, that's going to be it. And if you do have questions about anything like this, if you've seen anything, you're welcome to come to me, uh, ask me questions. Of course, Mike as well. Um, just don't ask me how I did it. You probably are going to be disappointed in the answers. Well, I, I got one last thing. Actually. Go on, Mike. I, I'm getting a message for you. <laughs> it's urgent too. It's from from someone, they've been trying to reach you regarding your car's extended warranty. <laughs> I was hoping. Call them back. I've Thank missed, you, everyone. I missed the calls that they told me. You, I, oh, that was good. <laughs> Let's go put them in there. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, sir. We're going to go over a little bit. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? And I, and I don't... I, I'm not going to cut it short because it's important we get to where we're going to get with this stuff. Deuteronomy 10, 18, 10 to 12 says, Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Stay away from it. Do not engage in it in any way. So to kind of piggyback on, you know, what Chris was saying, how do these people do it? Well, some are deceivers. I'm not saying Chris is a deceiver, but... That was good, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know how he did the Scott thing, but some are deceivers. They're, they're just charlatans. They're out to get people's money. You can tell things, as Chris did, about people. You can tell them what they want to hear, and they'll take your money. You're going to go across water today. Yeah, whatever. Some are deceived. They think they're really talking to the dead spirits of people, but they're not. They're talking to demons. They're talking to Satan's legions that wants to pass false information to them. I mean, these people have been around watching. How did he know that my dad did such and such? Because some demon just told him. They might seriously believe they're in touch with your, dad, your lost dad. They're not. They are not. What is Satan's goal? He is the father of lies. John 8, 44 says, For you are the children of your father, the devil. Now, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. 
But then he goes on, you are your children. You, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Nothing that comes from that stuff is of any use to you, nor will it do you any good. What is Satan's goal? John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Occultism is addictive. It is seductive. I've talked to Christians who said to me, oh, I went to this person. You know, I, do, I don't really believe in that stuff, but I just wanted to see. Don't see. Don't go. Don't have anything to do with any of that stuff. Nothing to do with it. All right, I'm going to keep going here. What are the Nephilim? This is one of those, like, why? <laughs> why did I mention this? This is a whole sermon. I'm going to give it to you in two minutes, all right? And, and then I'll loop back as to why I'm giving it to you. Genesis 6, 1 to 4. Anybody read it this week? Anybody go away and read it? Yeah, a couple of you. It says, then the, people of, then the people began to multiply on the earth, and the daughters and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful woman and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Now, without getting into too much stuff prior to this, people were living 800, 900 years. God's cutting that down and has since cut that down again. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with woman, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Now, there are a number of interpretations on this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to spend a long time. But I believe that the most consistent interpretation with this is that the sons of God is only ever translated as fallen angels. The Bible tells us that, that Satan rebelled against God and a third of the angels followed Satan and were cast out. These are the demons. Demons are fallen angels. Some of them have the ability to take on human form, just as angels have the ability to take on human form. This is the scary stuff. They took human form and took human woman and had children with them. That's who the Nephilim is. Now, we could go down all kinds of roads with this, but we're not going to. They were wiped out after the flood. This passage of Scripture is at the end of Noah's genealogy. And the very next thing that happens is God says to Noah, build a boat. We're stopping all of this. We're wiping all of this out. This shows how dark 
and how evil this demonic side is. And I'm not going to go any deeper on that this morning. There is an awesome website called gotquestions.org. Is it .org? Yeah. Great website. Uh, I go to it all the time. You got questions. What, what are the Nephilim? Can people get demon-possessed? A rock-solid website for you to go to and ask those questions. So let me get to the end of this because it's 1139. So there are angels all around us. Some we see, some we don't see. Some are good, some are bad. Some visible, some invisible. There may be angels sitting in the room right now. You may have interacted with an angel on your... I know some of them drive. (laughs) How do we respond? This is the most important part of this. How do we respond? So I've got four points here. Number one, do not fear them. Do not fear them. 1 John 4, 4, we talked about it earlier. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Bible tells us we should fear one and one only. And who is that one? God. Fear God. He's the one that could cast your soul into the lake of fire. He's the one that can take you into paradise. He is bigger than Satan, bigger than any of those demons. They are going to answer to him at some point. He is going to deal with them. You don't need to fear them. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Number two, do not cater to them. James 4, 7, and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. If they're listening, if they're watching, if they know what makes you stumble, don't cater to them. Don't supply fuel. Don't let them say, oh, man, I just keep going to this website. Oh, good. I'll help you with that. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Do you know why he's going to flee from you when you you resist him? He's not all present. His time is precious to him. If he can't get you, he's going to go look for someone he can get. You resist him. I don't got to bother with Chris. I'll go to Mike. (laughs) Resist him. The further you get from the truth, the easier it is to be deceived. Go to the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. He's not just the source of truth. He is truth. He's not the source of light. He is light. He's not a source of love. He is love. Don't seek the dead. Seek life. Seek the Lord. Number three, put on your armor. Put on your armor. Ephesians 6.10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And what is his armor? It's truth. We did this, taught the kids this this morning. Truth, God's righteousness, the peace of the good news, faith, assurance of salvation, the word, and prayer. 
I'm not going to get into them, obviously, this morning. I will talk about this in just a second. We are going to be doing Ephesians. And the fourth one, live by the Spirit. Now, this is a little play on words. Spirits are all around us. We are living by them, aren't we? Live by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Live in the Word. Get truth inside of you. Live in community. This is why we started Sunday school this morning. It was great to see how many people were in Sunday school. And what was neat, I was watching the people come out of Sunday school this morning with big smiles on their faces. It's like, oh, wow. You know, I feel like I'm getting back to it again. You've got to... You have to stay in community. Small group. Sunday school. Church. This is the body of Christ here on earth. There is strength and power in numbers. We weren't designed to do it alone. Part of living in the Spirit is living in community with Spirit-filled people. Satan wants to pull you out and separate you and give you all kinds of reasons not to be in community. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the last one, serve him. So I'm using this as a springboard. We're going to spend the rest of this year in this series living life by the Spirit. I can't remember exactly what I called it. Does that sound right? Living by the Spirit, thank you. Living by the Spirit. I'm glad somebody knows. I I was looking through Ephesians. I was looking at the the armor of God, and, and Paul has this neat thing. He starts a passage of Scripture with the words, because, or furthermore, so you have to go back to see, well, what, because of what? And then that one starts with because, and then you have to go back, and then that one starts with because. And I got all the way back, I, I was in Ephesians 6, and I ended up in Ephesians 1. And as I looked through the book of Ephesians, I thought, this is life in the Spirit. This is how we live in this world knowing that all of this stuff is going on around us. This is how we stay strong. So for the remainder of the year, we're going to look at what it means to live in the Spirit, live by the Spirit. So we're going to do a big picture study of Ephesians. All right? Sound like a deal? Anybody like Ephesians? Oh, good. I hate it. but No. <laughs> Let me finish up with this. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. What do you... What do you have a fortress for? Protection. The godly run to him and are safe. You don't have to fear all of the darkness around you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Stay in prayer. Stay in the word. Stay in community. Stay in obedience. And you'll be good. Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not deserted us. We live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a a physical world with a spiritual dimension, Father, that interacts with this world. And there is good and there is evil. But there is nothing that is outside of your will and your control. 
And Father, for each person that has accepted your Son as the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a level of protection that others do not have. We have the power of your Holy Spirit in us to protect us, to guide us, to show us your truth. And Father, if there's anybody in here today who's never taken that step, to invite Jesus into their lives, to have that protection. I pray that today they would take that step, and it's such a simple step. And if that's you, and you, you, you know, man, I'm, I'm not protected. It starts with a simple prayer. You can pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the faith to trust in you. I need you and I want you. Please come in today. Amen. Mr. Kingsley. Sorry we've gone over a bit. I know the Cowboys are playing today. When, when are they playing? Oh, I'm sorry. But this was way more fun, wasn't it? <laughs> And you can record it. <laughs> well, everyone, we had a wonderful service today, very enlightening. You know, there's so many things that we can learn from God's Word, and, and that's what's a great study. I'm so happy to be one of the teachers in the Sunday school. Uh, we'll be studying Philippians, and y'all are studying James, correct? Uh Pick out one of those groups. We had a great time this morning, and uh, I tell you what, it just, the book of Philippians is the book about joy, and don't we need a little bit more joy in our lives, everybody? You know, in these times now, in the end times, uh, there are so many pitfalls and evil spirits that darken our days. We need to look up and thank the Lord for what he's doing and appreciate the joy that he gives us. Uh, there's tons of announcements.